Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. So glad you guys are here and my kids are here. If you guys, that, uh, that slide of my family, my kids always get nervous when I preach. They think, oh no, what embarrassing story is he going to say today? <laughs> But I just want you guys to know, I'm not going to share anything today that's going to make me uncomfortable. So, you guys can just rest assured. <clears throat> Before we jump into the message, okay, we don't have that up yet. There, okay, there's the fam. My wife, Stephanie, just had her gallbladder out a couple of days ago. Uh, so, she actually was trying to come, and I was like, babe, just, just stay back. Uh, she's pretty sore this morning. I'm glad we got that taken care of before we got back, but that's uh, my wife, Stephanie, my son Jordan, the far left, our little Naomi, you might see in child care sometimes back there in the Sunday school, Anna and Caleb there. <clears throat> and uh, we uh, lived in uh, Indonesia, next slide, uh, we lived on this island for about 14 years, the island of Java, and I'm so excited that uh, Engage the Islands, one of the bases Steph and I will be leading is in Surabaya, uh, the city there on the far right, if you can see that. Just to give you a little sense of uh, how big Java is, the population is, it's got 110 million people on an island the size of Tennessee, okay? So if you can imagine, that's like everyone west of the Mississippi River living in Tennessee, everyone moving to Tennessee. And Surabaya uh, is the capital of East Java, and Sura means shark, and Baya means gator. Next slide. The, the, the story is how the city was created that one day uh, a shark came out of the marsh and went to the ocean, and in the ocean there was a shark that didn't like that. So the shark and the alligator had a big fight, and they tangled up, and the mess of that tangle became Surabaya. Okay? So in the middle of the city, there's a statue of a wrestling match between a shark and an alligator. You guys have heard of Sharknado? This is Shark Gator. It's going to be incredible. Uh, it's going to be incredible summer. Uh, it's the lar- second largest city in Indonesia. We're going to be doing a lot of outreach all summer long. And Antioch Austin will be one of the many teams across the U.S. going. So we're super excited. We love living in Indonesia. Uh, it's a fascinating place. It's so fascinating. Uh, uh, to me, uh, I actually wrote a novel set here in Surabaya called Java Wake, which I'm going to give as a door prize this morning, if you can answer my question, okay? It's, it's a question about geography, and I've already written it out to the most brilliant scholar of geography at Antioch Austin. Congrats, okay? Here's a story, free novel, on the line. Top five countries in the world by population, hint, Indonesia is one of them. Who can give me the top five one, you got, you got one at a time. Okay. China. Close. All right, give it a try. Anyone? Give it a try. Come on, say it real loud. Yes. Nope. And no smartphones. Go ahead. Wait, say it again. 
That is so close. That's a hint. He was just one off. He got in the order wrong. Yeah, in the back. Nope. I, I don't know what to do with this book now because I can't take it back. Yeah. Nope. Okay, level two, you now are allowed to use your smartphones. Go. You got it. Come on up. He is the most brilliant scholar of geography, and that was not without a smartphone. All right. We're excited. It's going to be a great adventure. So we lived there for 14 years, and we really loved it. And something I always wanted to do was a veteran missionary told me, hey, the best time to take a family vacation is between your field assignment and your home assignment. The reason is you're, uh, you've got all your stuff, and you typically land in the country, and you've got all this stuff to do and unpack and everything. And then when you come back home, the same thing, you want to see people. So you have this buffer zone. So we decided after 14 years, we were going to do a vacation in Hawaii. And instead of Indonesia's a 12-hour difference, and uh, Hawaii's just six. So kind of time to adjust with jet lag, just six-hour different, and just to traffic. I remember driving around a, a blind corner of a mountain on the wrong side of the road, you know, happily. N none of my family realized it either. And I was like, there's a car coming in our lane. What is going on here? And then the neurons fire. You're driving in the wrong lane. <laughs> we survived. I would not have gotten martyrdom credit for that. Uh, but we, so we're having, and I said, hey, let's go, uh, let's jump out of an airplane, Caleb. It was Caleb's 18th birthday. And we decided, let's, let's go skydiving, something I'd never done. So uh, we, we went to this place in uh, North Oahu and found a place, you know, to jump out of an airplane 10,000 feet. And at the beginning, it just seemed like a really good idea, like this is going to be fun. So we get there, and the problem is uh, you, you get there and you have to wait a long time. There's a lot of forms and safety videos to watch. So you're kind of nervous, but then as the, as the minutes tick by, my heart was just one full of terror. You're just imagining and you're thinking, okay, now why, why, why are we doing this? So uh, we, we get, you know, get our gear on and then you meet the instructor. Now for me, this is a moment of abject terror. And for this guy, this instructor, his name was Phil, this is just all in a day's work, right? This is just like another day to grind through at the office for him. You know, up and down, these, you know, overpaying tourists uh, jumping out of an airplane. So... I'm thinking, uh, you know, I, like, I want to make sure I do this right. And, you know, J.D. said about three weeks ago, peace is when, you know, we're not in control. And one way we don't, when we're not in control is we want more information. So I just started pelting him with questions like, Phil, hey, I've gone parasailing before, and I wasn't sure, do your legs go up or down? And when you land, and he's, he's you know, he's just kind of coming in in the morning. And he's just like, bro. Just relax. It's going to be okay. He's already sized me up as one of nervous tourists. Who knows? They probably have a word for it. Scaredy birds or something. You know, he's looking at me and, and, and it's not really working. He's trying to calm me down by just talking softly. He's like, I'm just going to tell you everything you need to know. You don't worry about a thing, bro. Just when it's time to jump, don't hold on to the sides. Sides of the doorway, you know, when it's time. Okay, we get our gear on, we go up, and then 
you get in this little airplane and there's these two benches parallel. And you're sitting on one, like you're straddling, and then there you're in tandem. So that, you know, Phil's hooked to the back now at this point. And we go up, and it's really, show that next slide. It's really high up there. You, you know, you're looking down at the tip of, of Oahu here, and you're thinking, now, wait, what am I doing? And hearts racing, pounding, and I'm like, I'm wanting more information. So we're up, friends up there. Bill, what do I do with my arms? Do I, do, I, do I fold them? Do I just hang them at the side? He's like, bro, don't worry about it. I'm going to tell you everything you know. Just don't hold on to the sides. So heart racing, it's time. People start jumping out one by one. You hear them scream on the way down. And it's like, we're on the bench. It's like, oh, God, what am I doing? Jesus, help, I need you, Lord. And we get up to there and uh, get up to the doorway. And guess what I do? You saw this coming. With a death grip. Like, chink, chink. And I remembered, you still could give the thumbs down. But if you did that, you probably would have fallen out, right? And it's like, and he just goes, don't hold on to the sides, jump. Like, yeah! And in my imagination, I thought it was going to be like falling out of a building or something. But maybe because there's no reference point, it's just it's exhilarating. You're just floating on this cloud pillow. And you're just like, this is awesome. I'm trying to get Caleb's right behind me. I'm trying to get a look at him. Incredible fun. Exhilarating. Totally worth the whole thing. And I'm so glad I let go of the sides. And I'm going to talk to you guys today about someone who didn't let go of the sides and gave the thumbs down sign and didn't jump and didn't get to that place of exhilaration. So we're going to read a familiar story. And I'm a little nervous because... If you're a Christian, you, some of these stories, in your mind, you jump to the point of the story when you say, okay, here's the story. So if we talked about David and Goliath, you'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the point of that story. You know? and, and sometimes we can just gloss over these familiar stories of um, David and Goliath. Sometimes the little guy wins. That's actually not the point of the story, you know. It's David tells the giant, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, and I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts whose armies you have defied, and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. The point of that story is that there's a God in Israel. Not that the little guy wins sometimes, right? It's about God's fame. So we can read these stories, and, and I love, this is one thing I loved in Indonesia, is studying the Bible with people who had never heard any of these stories. You know, I met people who, of course, you know, no, no concept of Christianity. It's the world's largest Muslim nation. But, you know, sometimes they never even met a Christian until they met me. Could you imagine that? Reading these stories and just seeing how, how scandalous Jesus is. Just reading from people with a, more of a law-type Judaism. You know, uh, Islam is closer. Uh, their, their thought is, is around the law. And so just to read these controversial things Jesus said, it was really fun. I really enjoyed that. The story we're going to read this morning is called The Rich Young Ruler. And we're going to look at... I want to look at this in a different way, and you're, if you've heard that story before, if you've been around the block, by the way, if you're new here, we're so glad you're here. If you've never heard this story, I actually envy you, because maybe you can see it in a different light. 
And what we're going to do is read this story, and I'm going to try to frame it. The story is not necessarily, oh, it's hard for rich folks to follow Jesus, right? That's kind of, there's a little, and there's a, there's a way that, that the Bible writers frame this, and it's actually, it's one of the few stories that's in all three synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's an important story to the Bible writers. So I'm going to look at it. What we're going to do is stand up and read it. This is what they do in Indonesia in churches when they uh, read scriptures. They stand up. You don't mind working off a Christmas cookie or so, huh? Burning a few more calories this morning. So stand up, and uh, you can follow along. I'm going to read out of the NIV. Uh, and I think we have that, that slide there. If not, this is going to be awkward. Oh, there it comes. Okay. You guys ready? Just then, a man came up to Jesus. Let's read together. And asked, Teacher, what must things do to get eternal life? Why do you, sorry, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you should not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I'm sorry. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Okay, you guys can have a seat. So a Jewish guy comes up. uh, You know, he's obviously, he's he's versed in the law. All we know is uh, he's young. uh, He's some person, an authority we don't really know. But we know he's really trying to please God. And he comes up, and he's kind of thinking, Okay, Jesus is coming through town. You know, it's, it's conf- righteousness really means right standing, right standing before God. And he's trying to think, do I have, do I have it all together? Is me and Yahweh squared away here? Are we good? You know, the Sadducees say this, the Pharisees say this, the teachers of the law say that. But what, what's, you know, wh- what do I need to do? So he's got his little checklist. Okay, this guy will know. Jesus comes by, and he's got his checklist, and it's sort of like, okay, I think I'm good. I'm not sure I'm going to check in with this guy. And, and Jesus immediately, as he often does, points out the false dichotomy in our mind. He kind of pokes at our false underlying assumptions with how he answers. Okay, so Jesus says, the guy says, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. Okay, righteousness isn't a what, it's a who. So, so the, in this guy's mind, it's like, what do I need to do? I don't, want, I don't want relationship. I just want to know. Tell me if I'm doing good or not. I'm out of here. That's religion. You know, there's, there's no connection to a personal connection to this God. It's just like, am I meeting the requirements? <clears throat> Eternal life isn't a thing. It's a person. It's hard to wrap our minds around, but Jesus, Jesus defined it this way in uh, John 17, 3. 
He said, eternal life, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life isn't just, I'm saved, I mean God or good. It's relationship. It's knowing God. So that's how Jesus is thinking of it. This guy's not thinking of it that way. But he kind of plays along. He says, Jesus says, okay, we'll go this direction. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? And Jesus replied, he gave the Ten Commandments, and then he added, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the guy's thinking, all right, I think I'm pretty good here. All these I've kept. <clears throat> what do I still lack? And, and Jesus' heart in this moment, I love this. Uh, they don't record this in, the other, in, in Matthew's account, but in Mark's account, there's this beautiful little phrase in there. Um, and which is interesting because Mark, his story is, his gospel is only 16 chapters to the point. He's the journalist. Clip, clip, clip. No, no Christmas story. I don't need a baby story. Let's get to the action. It immediately shows up again and again in the gospel of Mark. So clip, clip, clip. All of a sudden, in this story, Mark stops and this little phrase comes out. <clears throat> Jesus looked at him and loved him, if you can see that. In Mark 10, 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus sees us going toward him. And I think his affection, even if we're feeling like, man, I'm two steps forwards and one step back, this guy is actually trying. He's stumbling toward the truth. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then Jesus pointed to the one stronghold in this guy's life that prevented him from following Jesus. And he said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The invitation, then come, follow me. Jesus, I, I looked this up. I couldn't find other people that he did a miracle for where he, he said, follow me. I mean, the, the 12 disciples, he said that. But I couldn't find a story. You know, usually someone is, you know, getting, um, getting healed, and Jesus, go back to your family, tell them what God's done for you. But in this story, this guy is invited to join the band. He could go around with Jesus and see amazing things. He could see little girls raised from the dead. He could see blind people see their, get their eyes opened again. He could see miracles, you know, these, these uh, crazy stories of, you know, fish materializing out of a basket and bread and just this walking on water. He had the invitation of a lifetime. He could have been immortalized in history. And he just thought, you know, I, I just built this barn and got these goats and got, you know, some really nice pottery. And he said, not letting go of the sides. It would be like you're offered VIP box seats to your favorite sporting team. You know, Disney World, annual passes, one million air miles, a 10, you know, Torchy's Tacos vouchers for life. Y'all are the most excited about that one. And you're like, nah, I don't know. How much is that again? Such a little thing. Or seven years ago, if someone would have come up to you and said, hey, there's this thing called Bitcoin. Uh, how much is it? It's 96 cents for one Bitcoin. What is it? It's a bunch of numbers in cyberspace, cryptocurrency. I don't know what it is. And... You can, uh, why don't you buy a hundred? And you're like, a hundred? 96 bucks? No, I'm not going to waste my money on that. If you had said yes to that, 
you, you know, you'd have a, what is that? It's a 13,000. So you'd have, you'd have $1.3 million today. How many of you would have taken that deal? Yeah, I would have come up with 96 bucks seven years ago. You'd do that? I'd, I'd, bar, I'd scrape it together somehow. This guy had the most amazing adventure. And, and, and Jesus did not chase him down and go, no, 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 you're, 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 doing, you're making a mistake here. I'm offering you something I don't offer to anyone else hardly. Follow me. He was just thinking so small. And Jesus just, he honors our, our, our free will. He offers us to follow him. He says, follow me, puts his hand out. And if there's something in your hands, he's not going to knock it out of there. You've got to give it. You've got to be the one to let go of the sides. <clears throat> when I started following Jesus around age 16, you know, I just felt I, I got into a community like this of teenagers, uh, and they really loved God, and I, I could see the difference between them and me as they had surrendered their life to God and I hadn't. I mean, you know, I kind of knew of Christianity, and I, you know, I'd, I'd gone to church, but I hadn't really surrendered my heart to, to Jesus. And they had, and I was really struggling with, you know, you know, at 16, I'm thinking, oh, man, it's like, People are going to laugh at me in school if I start talking about Jesus. I'm going to have to wait until I get married before I have sex. Uh, the whole party scene was just kind of, you know, coming to life. And it's like, I'm not going to be able to just jump into all that. Gosh, you know, and I just I really struggled. I really struggled with this. But I decided that I was going to follow Jesus. And you know what, guys? I have no regrets. You know, you think of the party scene. I have more joy in my life than the most hardcore partier on 6th Street tonight. That's going to be a cold party animal out there tonight. <clears throat> when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And you may have heard this, the eye of the needle, is that really a rope? Is that a camel? Is that there was a gate called, you know, uh, the eye of the needle, and camels would have to take all their, their, their pack off before they could go through it, and different things. I think the point of, it's just really, really hard. Jesus actually said it's impossible. And here's the point of the story, here it comes. When the disciples... Uh, I tell you, easier to go through the eye of the noodle. He said, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Now, why were they greatly astonished? Jesus said this. Their just mouths are kind of gaping open. Because in their minds, they're thinking, okay, if anyone's got his act together, it's this guy. And sort of in, in the, one of the major themes of the Old Covenant is, if we obey God, we're blessed. If we disobey God, we perish. So this guy is trying to obey the law, and he seems pretty blessed by God. So this guy is about as close as you can get. <clears throat> and Jesus looked at them, and I love this. I think there was a few seconds for, I can't prove this, but a few seconds for dramatic effect. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. What's impossible? It's impossible to get saved by yourself. This guy's really, really close. Jesus is like, with man, this is impossible. And that's good news for us. 
It's impossible to save ourselves. And if you have accepted Christ and you're following him, you know that you still need a savior every day. We still get ourselves in messes. We still can't do it. And people tonight are going to be like, that's it. I'm changing. This is the year. I'm going to do it. I've got my list. And that, you know, self-determination is going to make it until about mid-February if you have a lot of willpower. And, and people, we're just going to go back to being the same old people. But we have this Savior who makes all things new. And he, he's really good at his job. And Jesus is like, guys, you cannot get saved by yourself. With man, this is impossible. And then what does he say? With God, all things are possible. Years later, I was following Jesus, and then I was at World Mandate when it was about this size. <laughs> and uh, there was a speaker who, I don't remember anything about him now, except he was the grandson of Leonard Ravenhill, a great revivalist. And he was an architecture major in college. That's like all the random things I remember. But he asked us at the end of the service, very simple, not, not a lot of fanfare. He just said, if you are willing to follow Jesus... I just want you to stand up right now. Like, you're going to do whatever Jesus asks you to do. I'm sitting there and thinking, okay, what does that mean? What am I saying yes? And this is like, this isn't get saved, rededicate your life, or surrender to missions or something. It was He was just kind of this broad, follow Jesus. And I remember sitting there thinking, I can, I, I can do this. Because I started following Jesus at age 16, and by then, I tasted and seen that the Lord is good, right? It's like, okay, this is a pretty good deal following Jesus. So I, I stood up. I stood up and I said, all right, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. If I sense you're calling me to do something, I'm going to do it. And then it's funny, over the years, I've just thought of that moment many times over the years. When I've engaged people and I didn't feel like engaging, when I've shared and I didn't feel like sharing, just the grinding through the mundane, just the being faithful and little, I just said, you know what? I, I stood. I, I can't go back down. It's kind of like uh, your, your wedding day, you know, you look back and think you're so in love. You're just, you're just looking forward to your wedding day. We, uh, we got some old movies out. I got some VHS tapes from the garage this week. There were these things a long time ago called VHS and VCR, but, you know. I ordered a VCR, an equipment, to play the VHS tape from eBay. And we were going to dub them to DVD disc. So we're watching movies this last week during holidays. And Naomi, my, my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, was, we're watching our wedding video together. This is 25 years ago. And she's like, Daddy, were you happy? Were you scared? I said, I was just so excited. I just fell in love with this woman. And I wanted to say yes. I wasn't saying, wait a minute now. What if she gets sick? I'm saying no to 3.5 billion women right now. Am I sure about this? Back then, the world had only, you know, 7 billion people. It's a little more quaint back in those days. <laughs> I was, like, so looking forward to this day because I had fallen in love. And when you fall in love with Jesus, guys, it gets easier to say yes. You're not going, wait, 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 wait. You know, we, we have these crazy ideas about God. People say stuff like, don't ever tell God something you won't do for him, because that's the very thing he's going to ask you to do. Like, oh no, I thought of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I thought it, I thought it. No, it's not like that. Ghostbuster reference, yes, I'm an 80s guy. <laughs> so you, 
God's heart towards you is good. He, he invites you into this place of adventure. And he says, come with me, my beautiful one. The, the, the rains are over. The winter's gone. I have a great adventure for you. And all he wants to do is, is to see us voluntarily just say yes and let go. And just say yes. What, what else would you want to be doing than following Jesus? There are these things that stop that. There are these, these hindrances. It says, it says in the book of Hebrews, throw aside every hindrance at the sin that so easily entangles and run the race set for us. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There's so many things that hinder us. I just want to walk us through an exercise this morning. I want, I'm going to give two categories. We've got our hand gripped on both sides of the doorway, okay? And I want us to, as we're looking into 2018, we're going to say yes. Than we, we're going to say a deeper yes than we've ever said before. We're going to say a little no for the big yes. We're going to follow Jesus more deeply than we ever have before. And I believe that's possible. So I just want you to ask, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit now to speak to you about a hindrance in your life. This isn't something that is like a sin, but it's hindering you. Okay? It's something that, man, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a race running. I, I'm not, you know, I've got, I'm carrying around this bowling ball when I'm trying to run this marathon. The, could be a place of unforgiveness. Someone you're just thinking about over and over again. And, you know, forgiveness, guys, is not saying what they did is right. It's taking someone off of your hook and putting them on God's hook. And you say, you know, you might have to do that over and over. I'm taking them off my hook. And I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm putting them on your hook, God. Just set my heart free. Could be a place of anxiety. And you just need to cast all of your anxieties on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. His heart is good. He's for you. And you can just you don't have to let that just, just dominate you. It's, 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 worry is one of the things that chokes the seed in the parable of the sower. Keeps it from being fruitful. It could be just places of like comparison, you know. You walk into a room like this and you're always thinking, where do I rate? You know, why aren't people talking to me and... You know, who's pretty, who's cool, who's not? You know, where do I fit in? And just that, that's the biggest voice in your head. And you go, you know what? In 2018, I want to hear your voice. When I walk into a room, I don't want to think, why aren't these people closer? Why don't I feel close to these people? You go, I'm going to be the one that make them feel close. I'm going to make them feel like an insider. That's what Jesus would do. If you feel like an outsider, he goes into the room. He wants to make other people feel like they're the insider. And the byproduct of that, you'll be an insider. I promise you guys, if you feel lots of insecurities, and it's like, you know what? I'm not bringing this into 2018. Everything that hinders, just our expectations sometimes. I thought I was going to have the job by now. I thought I was going to, you know, I thought I was going to have the guy, the girl by now. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought this, I thought I'd feel closer to this group of people. All of that expectation. All those expectations, all those disappointments. Say, Lord, I'm just giving them to you. I'm, I'm going to just stop clutching on 
to this place of expectations and you say it's yours. And sometimes there's just places of sin, but sin that so easily entangles. And you know, a way to get free is to just open up and say, I, in 2018, I'm not going to try to solve this on my own. I'm going to open up to my life group, to a trusted friend. That, I love that about the body of Christ is that we're not, it's the race marked for us. I'm going to look at one more scripture as we stand and read this together. Sorry. You can pull up Titus 2, 11, 14. As we read this, I want you to imagine Antioch Austin being the group of people saying yes together more deeply than we ever have before. Guys, we would light up this city. Let's read this together. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no. Let's say that again louder. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We're going to be the people that are his very own. We say, Jesus, yes, if you're moving, we want to be a part of that, whether that's here or the nations. Yes, Jesus, more deeply, yes, to whatever you're calling us to. And we're going to light up this city. Paul's definition of the church in Ephesians is the fullness of him, Jesus, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We want to fill this city with the glory of God. So whatever it is, as we worship, I just want you to release it to the Lord. Whatever's hindering you, whatever sin has got you entangled, just release that to the Lord. And we're going to say, yes, this is going to be a morning in your life this year and in this city, as J.D. shared earlier. So ask the Lord to speak to you now. And then we're just going to, when you're ready, just raise your hands and just say, yes, Lord. Give these things to him. He's for you. He gladly take all this. He takes it on himself on the cross. He gives back to you eternal life, knowing him.